Hello, welcome to Beyond Parenting. My name is Beth Hardy and I'm here to talk to you about parenting, what it means to you and different ways of looking at it. You may have broken free of the chains of the cycles that have been passed on to you from your family of origin, but are you stepping in the direction which is supportive of where you want to be? So we examine all things from things to do with partners, teenagers, younger kids, blowing your top, self-care and more. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Here we go. Hello, welcome to Beyond Parenting. Today we're going to be talking to Jane Miller, who's a parent coach and is an incredible human being and She talks today about her journey with her daughter into parenthood, coming from the foster care system herself and how she navigated that experience and how actually she ended up having to take her daughter out of school because school wasn't working for her. So we hear about that journey and we hear um, her nuggets of wisdom as well. I can't wait for you to listen to it. Enjoy. Hello, Jane. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. Welcome to Beyond Parenting. So today, I'm really excited to hear about your journey through um, into parenthood. But obviously, that starts with your childhood and obviously informs how you become a parent. So it'd be really great if you could share a little bit about how you... Um, how you do things and why you do things as a parent. Okay, yeah. So most of us may know that our adulthood is shaped from our childhood, um, whether that's positive or negative. Um, So we always bring in um, the the positives, the cons and the pros from, from childhood. My childhood wasn't a great start. So I started off being in foster care from the age of about three or four, um, looking after my sister. So I was the eldest of two younger siblings. And we did, well, I definitely saw a lot and can remember a lot of my childhood. And I then was in foster care until I was about 18. Um, Lots of um, emotional issues, lots of lack of support. And we're talking about the 80s, 90s then. So um, the system isn't great now, but it's not, it wasn't as... Yeah, it was even worse. And also Mm. some laws had only just come out to start protecting children Mm. um, and hadn't been uh, in for a long amount of time. And the systems were trying to get used to them. And yeah, there's I think there's still an awful lot of work with um, children in in foster care or looked after children um, in the system, but also through education. So growing up it being abused and experienced such a lot in my childhood and not dealing with those it really put me at a kind of like a disadvantage of coming into adulthood because I, I wasn't learned how to love I wasn't taught how to have trust in other people and build those relationships and those softer skills in life you need those things going into as a parent as well so 
we're kind of left to have children in this country and there's no guidance there's no support there's Mm. no um you know this is a good path to take and these are good areas to be looking at and in, in business we always get support and there's lots of support out there and different networks and we take our car to go and get MOT'd and serviced before mm-hmm. they go wrong or something happens and if we need financial support there's there's areas we can get that support but for parents it's a lot harder and if you haven't had that great start in life, it really affects your parenting. Thinking back to your time as a as a child, as a teenager, how can how did you see that playing out? The lack of trust. So as a child, um, you haven't got a voice and you don't know to the point what's right and wrong, and you don't always know where to go to for support. But actually, if you've got a loving family or even parents that reassure you and and show you and have that guidance where you can you know you can turn to your parents um mm. that's great but even when children have parents that still isn't there not having anyone that heard me that if I had an issue and I spoke up I wasn't heard and I wasn't listened to and that was an action to be able to protect me as a child so what did that make you you like as a as a person if you're not if you're not trusting? Oh, really withdrawn, really hesitant about trusting people, wanting to build those relationships up with other people because I felt that people had let me down all the time. Why should I build that trust? Um, who can I trust to talk to and advise me in the right way? Um, so growing up, there was once I was an adult there was very few people that I actually formed bonds with and trusted and then friendships um that was very difficult and going into parenthood then it was um really overprotecting um my child right right and so you obviously got into a relationship well presumably got into a relationship to have a um have a child so how was how was that experience for you So that was pretty awful. It was one of my first relationships and he was abusive, physically, mentally, emotionally abusive for a few years. I actually knew before I fell pregnant, but me thinking that I can change the world and I can change him into a better person. And he'd had an awful childhood. So once he had a a child, it would change him. It'd be a really good dad. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. That kind of person wouldn't enter into my life. And also I've been able to teach my daughter to be really strong and independent because Mm. we haven't had that support and she hasn't had her dad to be able to support her um, and guide her through life it was very hard it it, being a child that has never really been loved never had that trust never had that family unit it was I wanted to create that family unit and that's Mm -hmm. 
why I kind of stayed with her dad a little bit longer because I did as much as I could to be able to create that family unit um which I didn't have when I was younger it was hard to know what to do how to do it Mm. when to do it and with no support system around me that was very very difficult and the younger the younger years were easier actually (laughs) then because I have got a 16 year old and um looking back now the younger ages are easier we had our you know we had our challenges I was a single mum um I compromised working part-time so I could have that time with her so I didn't have to put her in full-time education and then obviously the finances of that being able to juggle that and stuff Mm. so um it was easier when she went to school but then soon realized And as I developed and my knowledge around education and what it actually offers and the political views around education, you learn, you just learn as you get older and you become wiser. And what society makes us think that we should be thinking where the children or children should go to ed- into education. They should go to college. They should go to university. Go and get a, a, an employed job. Mm-hmm. We're just we're we're taught to think that in this definitely in this country and yeah. like it's the only path sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We are very conditioned into mm-hmm. the, you know, and that's through news. That's through government. That's through what other people's views are social media massively now and it's a case of there's alternatives to things all around us and it's I'm getting to the point where I'm almost 14 I've got a 16 year old and I've had a lot of experience in life and I've been very open to look at these alternatives and Mm -hmm. one of them is education and if I knew what I knew now I wish I'd I'd not even put my daughter in education. From about year five, there started to be clashes with um, children, more girls, <laughs> um, personalities within the school. And um, we could go, you know, as parents, we can go and talk to primary school teachers and they've got more time for us um, at that age. Mm. And then it continued for a few years. And it, it for me, it was just working with the schools um, and guiding my daughter to know what's right, what's wrong, how to deal with conflict. Um, also accepting that she's not always right and, and, and other people might be might be right and the things that she said and done may not be right, um, but also allowing other people's views in, in as well uh, and, and being acceptant of that. And it, it is very challenging. But then when she went to primary uh, senior school, that's when things obviously change. It's a massive, massive difference um, in the education system from mm. primary school to senior school. And I don't really believe that they're prepared for that. Um, there isn't enough in place for them to prepare for that. And because um, the, the pastoral system, apart from anything else, is the thing. You've gone from one teacher seeing you all day, every day. So all of yeah. a sudden there's a loads of teachers and nobody really knows who you are. Would you say it was a lot about that aspect or was it deeper as well? I think it's everything. You know, the lunches are different. What they do at lunchtime and their break times, their routine's different. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole 
environment is different how they they work things um is totally different to, yeah. to primary school and um apart from maybe having having like a half a day settling session um there isn't a lot that they actually do in regards to that transition um and for and, and for parents so I had a conversation with somebody the other day and their daughter's about to go into senior school and she's really, really worried about it. Mm. But she's been wise enough to put certain things into transition already. So she's her daughter's had a phone from Christmas and she's starting to get around what's acceptable on the phone and what isn't and, mm-hmm. and having those relationships via technology and knowing what to use, how to use it safely. And um, they've got a plan moving forward and what's right. going to happen in regards to um, the daughter going to school and coming back. But a lot of parents actually kind of, they're going to senior school this is all that's happening. There's the phones I can contact you. This is how you're going to have to get there. This is going to happen. How you get back, and there's no, no transition, and that's super hard. I, rem- I remember starting secondary school for the first time. Like I would put, I would hop on the bus to somewhere I didn't even know. I'd maybe visited once. And yes. I'm like, where do I even go? Where do I even go? <laughs> and how do I get there? And then what do I do? And like, yeah, you're right. You're just not told. Yeah. All, the, all the ins and outs because they're living it day in day out aren't they and so they yeah. don't necessarily appreciate how difficult it is and then you've got the peer group so you've got other children that are going from different schools you've got social media and that that's in mm-hmm. a massive play of things now um so it comes with the bullying and and people know people already before you even get to, to mm. secondary school because of the platforms that they all kind of go to oh, and right. mm-hmm. so that yeah with, with social media everyone seems to all the children seem to know of each other and okay. know of who they talk to and what they do and what areas they go to well they definitely do in um in in, so we live in Birmingham so Mm. um everybody knows everybody by the sounds of it (laughs) (laughs) and they see because of social media they also see connect a lot more with other people other children and they see a lot more we started getting a lot of um bad behavior with my daughter in school and outside of school detention started happening but when I then started to question the school about what was actually happening with my daughter was it the same class was it the same teachers was it the Mm. same times a day was it the same peers so we could kind of build a picture of if Mm -hmm. the what were the triggers they just couldn't tell me so this went on for at least a year and I could give as much support as I could by year nine got to the point where I realized that she wasn't learning as much as she should have been her Mm. reading age was of an age eight which they'd only just picked up and she was just about to choose her optionals for her GCSEs Mm. which only gave her two years then to kind of get up to her age group which is it it was massive and I'd been on Minanarin I'd been I worked full-time by this time because I was able to be flexible around my hours and how I worked Mm -hmm. my own diary so I'd been working since uh, full-time since she was about um seven 
eight. So I was still juggling that as well, um, picking her up, taking her to school, being there for those few hours after school until she went to bed and then I'd work again. So it was for me, it was long days. So knowing what what should be happening, um, learning more about the education system, things that she'd come home and say just didn't just didn't add up so I kind of went into the school and gave them an ultimatum like you sort out another provision for her because it's clearly not working for her Mm. she's not understanding I thought she might be slightly dyslexic um Mm. she may be on the autistic autistic spectrum and throughout all these years no one had picked up anything so Mm -hmm. all these professionals through education hadn't picked up anything and hadn't give her the extra support that she needed Mm -hmm. um I did then pull her out of school and it was the beginning of covid so everything was up in the air anyway and that gave us a chance to for her to prove that if she could do work at home and kind of be more home educated mm. um that flopped because she doesn't like um what I say what I <laughs> uh, suggest for her to do um and that's always been the case for me and her we do clash um quite a lot even though I've got the background of teaching and she could be in a totally different position now but oh well we finally got her into one-to-one tutoring for just maths and English because right learning in general was just too much for her her information processing was she couldn't absorb information as as well as other people and that became very apparent I reached out to different agencies different support social services doctors and all the agencies said to me was we'd only suggest what you've put into place already which you know I was going to say did you have any luck because I've I've done that with my my daughters my youngest one well my younger daughter and I got nowhere well I got massed around for me but multi-agency support team but they were like oh yeah oh it is tough isn't it you're doing a great job though I'm like pardon yeah (laughs) like I want help and you're just giving me sympathy I don't want sympathy I want help please you want that the, the support when you're feeling mm. really low and you don't know what to do and you, you need the strategies to know how to deal with the situation you're in mm-hmm. and that just wasn't given which on the plus side was good because I'd been in education and childcare for so long so I obviously knew what I was doing but as a parent I was kind of at despair of like mm-hmm. I just don't, I sat there crying on my own because I just don't know what else to do her behavior's been that shocking that I've just lost the plot Mm. um because it's been years and years of constant battling against one thing or the other um not having people to be able to phone to say I've had a really crap day today and and I suppose Mm. unless you've got that support around you it's very very lonely um, and it it can be a struggle um but fortunately I, I look at and realise there are alternatives to life. You know, there is alternatives to um, education. There are alternatives to how we live so we're not in debt. Um, and, you know, that's very, very a big t- topic at the moment. That And, mm. and COVID massively has affected me financially. And it's made me realise that actually there are other ways of living. We just don't know about it because... 
it's not put out there enough in no. this country and there isn't actually um enough support for it so if i have done research um in wales um, and the schemes that they do have to help people live more self-sufficient um more eco-friendly mm. um, lives and there isn't anything in in the um in england no no there isn't that it's it's too far down any sort of agenda isn't it yeah for now so with with the home education how have you found it going forward because obviously you said that you've had struggles with getting your daughter to do anything that was at the beginning of sort of lockdown that that time and we've moved on now is a couple of years on now so what is the picture looking like for for your daughter now nothing there isn't a picture because due to covid there was no other referrals to the pre 14 to 16 department where she was getting that extra support for maths and English um, at a local college and because of the the children weren't being assessed and they weren't being watched because they hadn't been in school um, and that's across the the board Mm. um, there weren't no referrals to go to get that support or for children to go into provision um, alternative provision if school didn't work for them so they were made redundant the school paid for a private school a local private school because that was a small school of like 30 to 40 children and that totally didn't work out the the head teacher had totally different views on how she wanted her private school to be run um what she did in the school I didn't agree with when my daughter came and told Um. told me about certain stuff and when I confronted the head teacher mm. um, she didn't like it at all so it got to the point where she'd had an argument with a girl there um, because of social media because of insecurities that children have now mm. lack of self-worth it all went to pot really so I ended up she weren't allowed back in the school so at the moment oh, she yeah. should be doing her GCSEs she's not doing them because she with the whole few years of her not doing a full-time education Mm. the the last school she went to also was they wanted her to do maths and English as a GCSE plus two other subjects in Mm. less than a year with GCSEs they have two to three years to to prepare Mm. for them and they wanted her to do someone that doesn't learn in a a normal way or a way that other people do and Mm. process information um and hadn't had that support because she hadn't been looking at those subjects to do. Yeah. Um, I just thought some of the things were really unfair that they were putting her, um, getting her to do. At the moment, she is helping me at home while I rebuild my businesses up with COVID. And her options may be that she does an apprenticeship so she can do mm-hmm. um, training as a, for a qualification and work at the same time and, and a little bit of money. But for me, it's a case of... I want her to be ready and not pressured to do GCSEs when she wants to. And I I went to uni about six years ago to do one of my teaching qualifications. Mm. And for me, I think the education system puts so much pressure on the children and the wrong kind of the wrong ages, because who knows what they want to do when they're 16 (laughs) How no, I know I did. I didn't like. I'm I'm doing something completely different that didn't even exist when <laughs> when yeah. I was growing up, and exactly. everything is changing so much. And the yeah. whole factory system of education is was meant 
was designed, well, it was designed for the industrial revolution. And that's, that's how it was, wasn't it? So, and it hasn't changed. It no, hasn't exactly. changed into the right. modern world. No. That, and the opportunities that our children and mm. the next generation can possibly have. Exactly. And so we're stuck in stuck with the system that doesn't fit the real world. And people don't realise there are other avenues. And like you're saying, apprenticeships, is is there a college that um, facilitates such things in your vicinity? Yeah, so across the UK, um, apprenticeships are widely available through um, colleges or training providers. Um, so it's just a case of researching if that's what your child wants mm. to do. Children have to be in education till they're 18 now. When I was 16, I went straight into full-time work and yeah. we didn't have that you have to do this and you have to do that. Yeah. And we could go into a job. Literally, I could walk into a job or mm. phone a job one day and I'd be employed the next day. Mm. And, and how different that is now. So, yeah, there's lots of changes, um, lots of different alternatives. I think it's just about getting out there and talking to people about the different alternatives. I think education, there's so much pressure put on the parents even to the point where they say about the fines now and if your child doesn't go to school we'll fine you and this and that I think Mm -hmm. with society we are threatened so much about what not to do and what to do and this is just in about life in general around the police and around council tax and around everything that we do we're really conditioned about the life that we we lead and so Um, we've got those blinkers on haven't we and we're going around thinking this is this is all we can have and there is no there are nothing there's nothing else there's nothing to see here isn't it but like actually there are loads of things to see but we you do need to lift some rocks and stuff and actually start going no this isn't for me I need to find something that could be for me or my kids Mm -hmm. a lot of children don't fit into the education system anymore and there isn't enough support to meet their needs and that's why when and we're in we're in Birmingham and we're in so many deprived parts in Birmingham um and um there's so many children when they get to senior school that don't go to, to school anymore. So they they grow up not having even some kind of education or that guidance of believing that they can do things and that guidance about what they can actually do instead of walking around the streets or getting into gangs or, mm-hmm. you know, doing the, the things that are just not going to benefit them at all and and unfortunately we live in that type of world and we we don't you know we're not in the countryside where we don't have that type of thing we're in a city that this thing these things are very everyday type of things there's there's knife crime and there's burglars all the time and there's people taking the cars off our drives and Mm. and but this is the reality of it but if there was something more in place to help these children maybe all that wouldn't be as bad as it is right yeah because the children wouldn't be ignored essentially their needs are being ignored they're like okay you don't fit in the box we're just going to pretend you don't and just give you detention or suspension or you know basically push you out of this little zone because you don't fit you don't you're not going to be good on our stats in school so we're going to off roll you or whatever it might be, whatever strategy they might use to try and essentially get rid of a child, this number who's not going to be helpful for their numbers. Like, because you've been, you've gone at it in a different route, have you faced any sort of backlash from like 
people that you know from like doing this alternate alternative way of bringing up your daughter not so much a backlash it's I've, I've spoke to people that when I've, I've told them and I'll be like I've, I went into the the meeting and um they were trying the t- teachers were trying to fob me off about mm-hmm. they have to be in education they have to do this and mm-hmm. for me being a confident strong person that wasn't heard as a child so for me my child is being heard because I'm I'm making her a strong independent person mm. that's going to know different ways what's right and wrong but know different ways to what society has thinks that we should be yeah. doing um they don't like it they don't like it when I go in and I'm like that's not happening I want this this and this to happen or and and they're like shocked and then when I tell people they're like I can't believe you've done that or said that and it's like well yeah these children aren't being heard like that is one of my biggest missions in my business is even to help parents to understand their children so they are understood and heard in life because that really shapes them into the people that they become when they're older what I want to do is ask you some um rapid fire questions okay so what is the worst thing about being a parent for me I think it's been the struggle of doing it myself and that's that's over kind of overruled not being able to enjoy parenting and Mm. because of my upbringing I was always trying to prove a point all the time that I'm good enough or I'm I'm doing it right or I can do better and I don't Mm want to be like my mom or and not dealing with what happened when I was younger Mm. I've had to go through my daughter's childhood trying to kind of not fix myself but find my own way in life as well and I think actually even though I had an, an awful childhood I think a lot of adults try and find their way whether they've had a good upbringing Mm. or not Um, and like you say you've changed you're you're in a totally different career and a lot of people especially women are in a a different career than they did 20 or more years Mm. ago because they find their journey and their path that they want to be on yeah yeah rather than just sort of like okay I'm doing this this is what I'm on this program now I'm doing this now I'm doing this like having life happen at them rather yeah. than actually no life's happening for me I'm going to actually take charge and do this. yeah including sorting your own head out and finding yeah. out who you want to be yeah so the opposite then what's the best thing about being a parent Jane oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> that's hard it is hard hearing a hearing my daughter and seeing the good things that I've tried to embed in her or mm. guide her so she'll come out with phrases a thing that I say a lot is things are meant to happen for a reason mm. we don't always know that what the reason is but I do truly believe that things happen for a reason and she start she says mm. that a lot now parenting broke you down lifted you up or both both I think it's broken me down more than it's lifted me up but it's been a massive learning journey mm. and also things happen for a reason and for me because I've been childcare as an industry for over 20 years education it's actually supporting my business now and Mm. I'm doing what I've professionally 
worked so hard for but also I've gained that experience to be able to help other parents Mm. and and children yeah if I didn't have those those bad experiences I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now right exactly what is your favorite thing about you I have got so much ambition. I want to really get out there and open people's minds to different things in life, to to the alternatives in life, help people realise that they can achieve what they want to achieve, regardless of what that is. And, And that comes back to disadvantaged areas that we do live in and I see Mm. and the families that have very little and I just want to help people I just want to help parents and those children have different opportunities what's the most important job of a parent do you think I think understanding the basic needs of the children Mm -hmm. is fundamental and I do believe that parents still don't understand what those needs are but a little bit beyond that is guiding them in the right way So not telling them, not authorising what they should and shouldn't do. It's about, and I've definitely learned this over the last few years as she's coming to teenagers, Mm. it's about guiding them and let them kind of make their own decisions and their own choices and also making their own mistakes. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Jane, before we go, let's um, hear a little bit about, you mentioned that you're a parent coach hear a bit about your business tell people where they can find you things like that okay so I am a parent coach that supports parents to um, who want to bond more understand and bridge behavioral issues with their children I am on a massive massive mission to get out there (laughs) and support as many parents as possible and that's just a little bit of what I want to do I support parents um, with one-to-one mentoring mini master classes and a eight-week live program. I'm on social media, mainly on Facebook, so I have got free Facebook groups, and I'm venturing into other platforms of social media, but it's definitely a learning curve. Oh, isn't it just? There's so much (laughs) social media out there. It's like, what is the best thing to pick? I think that's it, though, isn't it? You have to pick your space, really. One of the business people I spoke to was like, yeah, pick two platforms. Yeah. And do those well rather than do all platforms badly. Yes, totally. So people know they can find you. And I think I think a lot of parents are on Facebook. That is a good touchstone for a lot of parents, isn't it? Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jane, for today. It was wonderful to meet you and hear your questioning journey. And I wish you all the best for the future. That's awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast with me, Beth Hardy. And if you want to connect with me more, you can get along to any of my socials, Your Family Wellbeing Coach on TikTok and Instagram. And you can find me at Stop the Triggers on Facebook. I hope to connect with you very soon. If you have a question that you want answering, we might be able to do a podcast all about that. So please do drop me a line. I'm so grateful for everyone who listens to this podcast. See if you can rate and subscribe so we can make it bigger and better every week.